show Don't ask if he's single, you already know Cause it's a Terran show A simple name for a simple guy with a simple face It's the Terran show Hello everyone and welcome to the Terran show uh, I've got, I, this is uh, this is like a dream come true for me. I've got Netta Kalantar here with me this week, and um, she uh, she recoiled at the strength of my hello. Um, so, <laughs> how you doing, Netta? I'm good. I already like you more than Rob because you can pronounce my last name. <laughs> oh, there you go. How does yeah. how does Rob pronounce it? I don't even know what Rob does. It's a foreign <laughs> name, so you can't you can't blame him for it. Well, if if anyone listens to my American Ninja Warrior podcast, they know I'm very bad at pronouncing names. So every time I get one right and some people are like, oh, thank you. I'm like, there, there we go. I'm yeah, not the worst. Not that hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So uh, Netta is here with me. Netta, one of my favorite Big Brother Canada players of all time. One of my favorite Big Brother players of all time. Oh uh, God, so happy stop. to have you here. Um, <laughs> uh, I, and I, I'm particularly interested in talking to you because... I feel like you really have gone through a roller coaster in terms of uh, your Big Brother experience. Uh, so I think there's a lot of a lot of interesting stuff to get into here. But uh, I want to start with um, I was I was looking you up as I do. Uh, I do some I do extensive research by and, and by that. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and I, I Google people and then I look at like the most basic information and I'm like, yes, I am an expert. Uh, but I saw that you were born in Iran. So can you tell me about that? Yeah. Um, okay. So I was born in Iran. Um, we moved here when I was halfway through grade two. So I think I was maybe seven or eight. Um, I remember it was like a pretty difficult process for my family. Like you can't really like apply legally from inside Iran. So my dad had to go to like Turkey for a while. We were like, we used up like, like all of our life savings and stuff. Cause you have to pay for all the lawyers and applications and stuff. And like, he has these like crazy stories of when he like applications stuff and all he could afford to buy was like tuna cans. So to this day, he literally like cannot see tuna or he will like go and throw up <laughs> poor guy. Um, but yeah, like I, I think he, he says this all the time, but pretty much it came down to um, one final interview that he had with this lady. And she was just going to either say yes or no, even though like everything had been put in order, like our other documents and everything. And it just came down to like one question where she was like, why do you realistically want to leave your job here? Because he was a university professor. He had like a good life there and stuff. And he's like, well, I've got two daughters. And I mean, if they were guys, yeah, sure. Iran isn't a bad place for them to grow up. But like what? can they do with their future there i have two daughters and that's it i want them to have the best future and the girl was just like okay yeah you're in <laughs> um around then um my family had pretty much like sell everything in iran just you know for the flights and move here and stuff so i remember when we came um my parents did like a newspaper delivery job and they wake up at like 4 a.m every morning go and sleep all day um and yeah, it did suck just because my dad, like I said, he was like a university professor before, but like obviously that doesn't count when you move to a new country and like for him right. to go and like become a newspaper delivery person after being like, you know, um, it's probably like not the best feeling, but the fact that they did go through that, bring me and my family here and like, fuck, I was on Big Brother Canada. So like, that's pretty cool. I'm like super grateful for that. Um, I had like a bit of an easier time growing up because I mean, I was seven. I picked up the language pretty easily and stuff, but my poor sister oh my god we look back on pictures of her when we first came to Canada and she was like in high school at the time so like she was such a freaking loser <laughs> <laughs> she was like that foreign loser in class and like she didn't pick up the language at all so like 
man, her high school experience must have sucked. <laughs> oh man. So what was it that prompted uh your your parents to to move to Canada? Like uh you know, did did they try to do it earlier or like was there something that prompted it? Um I think pretty much since the time my sister was born they were trying to come here. It is like that even though it's Canada, it's like the American dream. Everyone wants to come to North America, make a better life. Um, but yeah, I think they, they always wanted to come here and it finally worked out for them. Um, and like, I do remember quite a bit from Iran, surprisingly, like my long-term memory is really good. My short term, I can't tell you what I ate for breakfast, but um, yeah, I think they just always wanted to have like a better life for their kids. And especially when you're a girl, like my cousins are all like married off now. They're all my age and stuff. And like, God, I can't imagine being back there right now. Wow. Well, what was it like? What was it like? Like, obviously, it's not as extreme as, as everyone, like, right. makes it out to be. And I have a lot of family who, like, still, like, goes back there and stuff. Like, I mean, majority of my family does still live in Iran. Um, what was it like? Okay, so I was telling you this before the show started. I was actually asking Karen if it would be okay <laughs> to say this story because this is what got me cast originally. Robin Cast says this is a story that she, like, remembers from my interviews and stuff. And then... I remember on season two, I was trying to explain this story to like my house guests and they're like, Netta, you can't say this on live feed. <laughs> but fuck it, I'll just say it now. Um, so I remember, it was like, we. I remember two times doing this and like obviously they probably don't do this anymore or like maybe it was just my school that did it, but they would make us, <laughs> they would make us draw American flags on like a piece of paper. This is what, when we're in grade one, we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> we draw American flags on a piece of paper, tape it to like, like a pen or a pencil they make you go out in the courtyard and stand in lines based off your grade and then the teacher at the front um lights their american flag on fire and then passes the flame down per kid and everyone's flags are on fire and then you chant death to america and you ran in person <laughs> i remember doing this twice and it was like obviously as a kid you're not like oh yeah death to america you're just like oh this is like a fun class activity of like drawing burning flags you just don't understand um and like even up until like season two when i would retell the story i was just like in that state of like it's just a weird thing you do like <laughs> i don't know i don't know but yeah it's just one of those weird stories i have now where they were like no you can't say the story on live feeds i love america just clearing that up <laughs> There must have been like a moment like when you finally realized like what it was, like what it really meant and why they were doing that. Like, like, what was that moment? The moment wasn't until I came to Canada where I was like, wow, that's messed up. Because <laughs> at the time, again, you're not a kid being like, screw America. Everyone wants to go to North America. They're like, you know, this is just what, like maybe the public school systems where you're like brainwashing you. And I'm sure they don't do this anymore. This is a long time ago. But like, yeah, I just didn't realize how messed up it was until I got here. I was like, yeah, you, you shouldn't do that. Was that was that sort of like representative of of the, the, the culture there? Like, was there a lot of animosity toward Americans or, or anything like that? Not at all. It's crazy. Like, obviously, the government has issues with the states and with like, you know, North American culture and stuff. But like, no one there as a citizen and gives a shit like we all watch like american movies like it, they're very well informed on like pop culture and stuff like it's not no one has any animosity towards it it's just definitely like a government thing where they push that onto the citizens but um no it's growing up there was amazing like my most amazing memories are from there because like family is such a big deal for persians like you're always surrounded by your family there's always like 
20 people at your grandparents' house all hanging out and stuff. Like you're always surrounded by that. So I think that might have been like the shittiest thing of moving to Canada. Because when we moved to Vancouver, we had like zero family. Now we just have um, like my closest uncle is in um, New York. So that's pretty much all we have here. That was probably the biggest jump, but um, definitely not representative of the of the culture or anything at all. That was just one of those crazy ass stories. <laughs> well, when you were a kid, did you were you looking forward to moving? Like, did, did you uh, was that something that you wanted or was it something that you dreaded because you didn't really understand maybe what the future uh, in, in Iran would be? Good question. No, I, I honestly just don't think I understood what was happening. I was excited because it's like a new adventure and stuff. But in my head, I didn't realize, oh, we're coming here. We're not actually going to come back here. And like, like, I haven't ever been back to visit anyone. Um, mm. My family has been and it, like, obviously, my parents have been. But it's just it's sucky because if you do go back, it's in your passport. And then you have like problems getting into the States now, especially because like, you know, on our passport it says you're born in Iran. So like, yeah. Trump's not too happy with us. Yeah. Um, so if we did go back to Iran, like my mom, she has problems going to the States now just because she has been back there recently. But if me and my sister did, we'd have the same type of problems and we just don't want to deal with it. Is it something that you, you wish you could do? Maybe in a few years. I don't know. Like I've never, I do want to go back. I do want to see the places I grew up and like the monuments there. And it's a beautiful country, but like, I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of stuff I don't agree with in Iran. There's a lot of... But no, obviously, you obviously want to go back to like where you came from. So I don't know. Obviously, I just wish the political situation wasn't as messed up as it is. Yeah. Uh, is do you have? Are you like really grateful to your to your parents for for working so hard to get you to Canada? Is that something that like really uh, like resonates in your relationship with them? Oh, one hundred percent. It's like the most important thing to me, and like like. I love my parents, but like, I will always be so grateful that we came here because I can't even imagine like they fill me on like what my cousins are doing and stuff now. I'm like, I cannot imagine being back there, not having the freedom of being able to do what I want. Like, I mean, could I have started my own clothing company in Iran? No, like a feminist clothing company in Iran. Like, I don't think anyone would buy that. I'd probably put in jail or something. <laughs> like, yeah. um, so it, it's changed my life greatly. And it's, something that I do think about quite a bit just because I remember you ran really well and um, my mom makes sure she she does remind us quite a bit <laughs> uh, what she did for us but no even just seeing them like suffer and stuff like when they would like do their newspaper routes and like it took my mom a while to like open up her own shop and stuff here because she's a hairstylist and like for them to get back on their feet so like the fact that they gave all that up for us you can't you cannot be grateful. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if anyone thinks like, uh, man, my mom really holds stuff o over me, uh, <laughs> you, you've got you've got a lot of stuff over you. Yeah, goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned that it was hard for your sister to sort of acclimate to the Canadian culture. Uh, did you have any difficulty? Um, I mean, like, I'm sure I was like the loser kid in class, but like everyone's like, well, who is this girl? <laughs> I do remember just like having difficulty making friends and stuff for the first little bit because all I could speak was like Persian. Um, like I, I was obviously like such a weirdo. I remember just doing weird things and kids being like, what is this girl doing? Like, I, I remember, okay, like for me to understand what phrases meant, like I didn't know what, oh my God meant. I just didn't, I couldn't comprehend what that means. <laughs> so I would, I would repeat phrases to people in ways and see what their reaction was to me. And that's how I would understand what it means. So I remember like one day I just kept being like, oh my God, oh my God. And then like people were like, what? What's happening? And I'm like, oh, nothing. <laughs> and then I understood what oh my God meant. So 
Um, I was just a little bit weirder than most kids, I think. But, you know, yeah. it worked do you, out. <laughs> do you think that had, like, an impact on your personality, like, just being sort of, by default, the odd one out? Oh, I'm sure if I talked to, like, a psychology person or something, they'd be like, this is why you're messed up, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sure it has something to do with me being as weird as I am, for sure. So, I mean, what, did you ever have, like, uh, did, did you ever feel like an outcast? Did people ever, like, actually feel, like, try to push you out or make you feel excluded? Yeah, I do remember that, like, a little bit, again, in the first few years, just no one wants to hang out with that kid who can't speak English in class and stuff. And, like, I remember eating my, like, lunches alone and stuff, but I didn't realize back then I'm, like, eating my lunches alone because I'm the weird new foreign kid in class. I was just kind of right. like, oh, like, I don't know what everyone else is doing. I'm just going to eat my lunch here. Um, so I don't think I like, uh, until I went back and I like, looked at it, I don't think I really understood what was happening. Um, cause you're in what, like grade three, you're just kind of like, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, plus, you know, being unfamiliar with the culture in the first place, I'm sure mm -hmm. it was even you know more difficult to pick up on that. And maybe in some ways that was a good thing. Um, yeah, just made it, me yeah. oblivious <laughs> to like the moon kids. <laughs> yeah. Instead of like sitting there eating your lunch alone, you're just like, yeah, good yeah. lunch. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So when did you get into uh, like Big Brother? Was that uh, was that once you got to Canada? Um, yeah, it was once we were in Canada, like we could speak English by this point, I think. Um, my sister got me into it, though. She was like just a she is still it. Mm, I don't know if anymore after my seasons, but she's like a diehard. Fan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so she definitely got me into it. I remember she watched. I remember watching her watch season two. Um, but I never really, I just didn't really get the show or anything. At this point, kids never watched the show, right? It was not a kids-based show at all. Um, and then I started watching her, with her during um, Daniel Reyes' season because I remember I had a really big crush on um, Jason. Oh, yeah. Yeah, really big crush on him. But um, no, kids just didn't watch back then. So I remember like none of my friends knew it or anything. Me and my sister would watch. And then when we were at like adult parties with our parents, like they'd be talking about big brother and like no one else would even know what was happening. We're like, Oh yeah, big brother. Do you guys watch this? Like that's inappropriate. <laughs> but now it's like freaking 10 year olds on Twitter, like yeah. watching. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Uh, was it about big brother that appealed to you? I don't know. Just maybe just the whole premise. Like I was, I got into big brother first before I got into any other reality show, like before survivor or anything, big brother's always been my number one. Um, it's just, it's pretty, okay. I believe humans are fucked up anyways. Like we are like the most messed up things ever. So for them to like put us all into a house and do this, like pretty much study on like our behaviors. That's how this started. Right. Like I, that's what, like, that's what I'm so interested in is like how people react to different situations, seeing somebody change when they get inside the house, seeing them act as crazy as possible and they can't leave. They're forced into it with these people. And like, I remember as a kid, like, obviously, you're not thinking to that depth. You're just like, wow, these people are nuts. <laughs> but it was just fun. And I was like, this is one show I could actually do because it's like Survivor. I could never do it. I'd die. Like, there's too many bugs. <laughs> like, this is the one show I was like, I'm going to be on this. Yeah. Did, did, like, from an early age, you felt like you wanted to do oh, it? From a really early age. I just didn't, like, obviously, back then, I'm just like, I didn't understand Canadians can't apply for it or anything. And then once I like started understanding, I'm like, fuck, that sucks. And a BB can't happen. So I was like, okay, I have to. I have to. <laughs> so you uh, you just like immediately, as soon as Big Brother Canada was announced, you're like, I'm, I'm going for this? I was. But the thing is, I was in my last year of university at the time when season one came out. So I was like, fuck, should I apply or should I not apply? I decided not to apply for the first season. Um, mainly, I was also scared because at the time, Canadian shows that like kind of 
piggyback off, you know, like American ones, even though this is like based in the Netherlands or whatever. Anyways, so Canadian shows don't usually have the best like reputation. They come across like pretty shitty, not well done. So I was just kind of like, wow, this isn't going to be Big Brother. You know, it's going to be a Canadian watered down version of it. But then season one comes out and it's amazing. And I've graduated from school at this point, so I have nothing holding me back. So season two, I went on an audition and it's my one and only audition I got on. So um, you go to casting, you you talk to them. Did you feel confident that you were going to get cast? <laughs> I was drunk. I was so <laughs> drunk. I was literally hammered every step of the way because I was like, like, man, I freaking love this show. So, like, I just didn't want to do anything that messes it up or, like, just be nervous or anything. I'm, like, a really nervous person anyways. So, no, I never thought I was going to get on. I forced my sister to get up at, like, I think it was, like, 6 a.m. or 5 a.m. to go down to Metro Town. We lined up. We're, like, the very first ones in line. Mumsy was apparently only 20 people in front of me. Um, if people actually don't know this, there's this uh, picture out there where um, Mumsy's in front holding her sign with her number on it. And then me and my sister are right behind her in line. <laughs> Oh, there you yeah. go. Anyways, so we go and we just have like a clear water bottle filled with vodka, no chase. <laughs> and then once they start letting people in, it just start chugging it back. And I'm like so hammered by the time I get up to my table with like my people and stuff. Um, I was just really obnoxious and I guess I, I made it in. <laughs> and then when they flew me out to like Toronto and all those parts, I was actually noticed like the hotel stuff in Toronto. Um, yeah, had to drink each time before that. <laughs> Man, so uh, I'm, not, I'm not encouraging people to drink, but it is my best advice. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, Dan Giesling has a whole book and a podcast about how to get cast. Apparently, you just need to get hammered. Um, I read it actually. I read that oh, right before. Go. Yeah, after my um, open casting call, when I got through, I'm like, okay, I need to make it. I need to make it. So I went and bought the book. I wrote down notes. I wrote down like I had like literally like page books of like freaking notes of like how to apply what my stories are gonna be. It helped. Like Dan's book is good. So you need both. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you know, getting on Big Brother, did you feel like it was something that was gonna be like a big thing in your life? Like it was something that obviously you'd been wanting to do for a long time. But I know Jordan talked about how he felt like he was a little lost, and when he went on Big Brother, he felt like hopefully this can solve all of my problems or like set me on a path or do something for me that will change the status quo. I did. I, I listened to um, Jordan's podcast, actually. Um, it was really interesting what he said. Um, no, I don't feel like I was like that at that point in my life. Cause I had just graduated from university. I like, I had my life really well together. Um, what had happened was actually I had graduated and I had moved back to uh, Vancouver with my family. Cause I was saving up money and I was applying um, with my best friend at the time. We were applying to move to the UK, to London, to um, just for fashion. So that was my plan was apply for my visa. There's a one-year visa that you can get before you're 30. Go to London, intern at some fashion house or whatever. That, that was my plan. I had my life like really well together. Just threw out an application for Big Brother, not really even thinking too, too much. You know, like it's a dream. You're never actually like, I'm going to get cast on Big Brother. You're just like, yeah. I'm going to apply because this is cool. I got to apply for Big Brother. Um, so yeah, that started actually happening. And then like Big Brother, it seemed like, okay, I might actually get on. So I had to flake on my friend. She's like there now living her fucking dream. Wow. I know it's crazy. Um, so no, I, I didn't feel like that. I just thought this is, this is my dream. Like I've already told many people this, but I was, I was, when I was packing up my stuff to move to Toronto this time around, I found, um, I found my bucket list of stuff. Number one is to play big brother. Number two is to win big brother. <laughs> and I got to cross off one at least, but no, it was it was literally like just always a dream to go and play. So just had to live it out. 
Maybe that was the mistake. Maybe you should have combined them because you only had one. Yeah, I fucked yeah. up. I fucked up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I keep swearing too. Shoot. Am I allowed to swear on this? It's fine. It's fine. I mean, uh, just leave it up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I had Brent on and he, he talked about uh, his experience as a male escort and he, uh, he got pretty graphic. So uh, people who <laughs> listen to this, po- that was the most popular podcast too. So, uh, <laughs> so okay, there we'll get to my escort days later. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds good. Um, so, uh, so you end up uh, in many ways, this is sort of the opposite of Jordan's story where it's like you had a dream and you almost kind of like postponed it or, or derailed that in order to go, uh, and do this other dream, yeah. uh, which was big brother. Um, were you, were you like, once you got cast, like, what was that? What was that like? What did you feel like? excited did you did you feel like uh kind of anxious about the fact that you're gonna have to turn down this other opportunity uh i don't know because it wasn't it's not like honestly big brother you don't find out your cast until you get your key like people are Mm. obviously like smart enough to realize when they're going through all these stages with you and stuff you've probably been cast but like i'm not a very like confident person like that i never was like Oh, I'm 100%. And like, I talked to Adele and he's like, he had his suitcase packed, like after his first interview, pretty much. <laughs> I didn't have shit packed. Like they legitimately gave me my key. They're like, you have an hour to pack. I'm like, no, that's on TV. You don't actually have an hour to freaking pack. She's like, no, no, you have an hour to pack. I'm like, oh my God. Like, I don't even have like, I don't have anything. Like I wasn't even allowed to go shopping or anything. So like, it's not like you got, I didn't get that much time to like really think about choosing. It just was kind of chosen. Like Black and Saint, we actually launched it the day they took me away because I didn't think they were taking me away that day. I'm like, okay, we'll launch it this day. I'll have a couple of days after they come to film. Yeah, it it just it happened so quick that it wasn't ever like I was making the decision. It just kind of happened and I went with it. All right. So, well, let's let's talk about uh, Black and Saint and then uh, we'll we'll get to the uh, the aftermath of Big Brother and how that affected it later. (laughs) Um, But let's talk about the origin of it, because, uh, you know, you clearly you're you're somebody who loves fashion. When did that start? Fashion? I don't know. I think I always liked it. Like when I was um, when I graduated from uh, high school, I was trying to decide or at least in grade 12, I was trying to decide if I want to go into fashion which I've always wanted to do like not fashion design I want to go into fashion um, business so like styling or any of those aspects or I was going to go to Emily Carr for um, for art for like fine arts Um, because those are just two things I've always loved and then I went to I decided with Ryerson because I was like there isn't jobs in fine arts that I can like really make a living out of went to Ryerson it's a four-year program Um, I really loved what I did there we learned like everything like photography like website design graphic design everything um, and styling was the aspect that I loved the most, but I still love the fine arts aspect. And I did study that a lot of Ryerson with a lot of the courses I took. So I just wanted to kind of combine them into like a side business for the Black and Saint. And it was just an idea that I had for a really long time. And it wasn't until that summer after I had graduated that I had the time to finally put into it. Um, so like, yeah, they were all like my illustrations. It took a while to like figure it all out and stuff and get it going. Um, it, it's not like, it's not something that I want or I ever wanted as like my main career and it's something that's amazing right now because it like it pays for my bills and it allows me to like kind of go for my dreams and stuff but like I did move back to Toronto to get back into actual styling and into actual fashion well I mean like I feel like uh at least this is this is sort of how I felt but like when I was a a kid and I had dreams and interests and stuff uh like I would have loved to apply for Big Brother and like start my own you know whatever company uh but I I never felt like I was capable of doing that like I, I never felt like the confidence to do that like what do you think it was that uh that made you 
be able to be like, you know what, this is what I want. I'm going to go start this company. I'm going to go, uh, you know, apply for Big Brother, do this thing, move to London. Uh, like, <laughs> how, how do you get there? You make it sound way cooler than it is. I think I just get <laughs> bored a lot. I really just get bored a lot. Um, it's either that or it's just like, uh, yeah, I do get bored a lot, but I just can't see myself in a normal person job. Like for me to go to an office and sit there from nine to five at a desk and like do my job, that's never something I've wanted. So it wasn't very hard for me to choose a different path, even though I knew it wouldn't be so set in stone for me. So like, um, here you go, this is your job and you got paid and this is the exact money you're going to make. And you come in from nine to five. And I knew that's not something that I like doing. So it wasn't very hard for me to like choose something else. And um, moving is not very difficult because I love just starting new. It's just fun <laughs> for me. Like it's, it's really fun moving, even though I've moved way too much. Um, I don't know. Just got a weird personality, I guess. Well, it uh, it sounds sounds like what Eric was saying. Uh, Eric Stein, when I had him on, he was basically like, "Yeah, I basically have always known that I just wanted to do things differently than than like the normal way." Uh, I think I. Uh I, I think I had to experience working at a nine to five job to recognize yeah. that I didn't want to. What did you do, uh, Taryn? I'm a video producer. Uh, so uh, right out of college, I was working um, for a startup and then uh, that startup like failed. Uh, and then I was working for a, a nonprofit um, for a little while. But it was just like not fun. Like I, That's I the hate soul out of you. Hey, it does. It yeah. really, really does. Um, uh, especially because like I had started the podcast at that point and like it was it's so much fun and it's it's like it's a lot of work but it's very very rewarding and like i feel very like happy when i'm doing it and then i'd go to you know the office and yeah. do work that was also pretty fun like i got to travel and i got to do all sorts of stuff but it was just like not the same and and it really it really did feel like like soul sucking yeah um so it's almost uh, like you're putting your like your time and your energy and everything into somebody else's dream mm -hmm. you know when you're like working at an office or working for like another job it's like this is their goal this is their dream that i'm working towards this isn't mine so even though like i'll spend like so much freaking time black and say because i do like everything i'm just a control freak so like i literally do like the website coding myself i do like the photo shoots and styling myself it's like if I put that amount of time into another job, I could get paid like 10,000 times more probably, right. but it just, it doesn't feel as satisfying. You don't get to yeah. put your name or stamp your name on it at the end of the day. Yeah. And I mean, that's, ex that's exactly what Eric said. Like, uh, yeah. like he hated, you know, working for other people and, and yeah. making them money. Um, and so, uh, you know, if the, I feel like if there's a theme to this podcast, it's follow your dreams <laughs> unless you're Melissa and then be a lawyer, um, <laughs> or a dog. <laughs> Uh, be a dog you said yeah melissa melissa when she was growing up she was like i want to be an actress or i'll be a lawyer or i'll be a dog oh that's fucking she really amazing. wanted to be a dog yeah yeah i'll take that i'll take that i'll be a cat though cats are way better they don't need to go on walks they can just right? sleep all day that was i i was like why not a cat i feel like cats are way cooler cats way cooler yeah uh <laughs> All right, that was a tangent. Um, so. uh, it's okay. I can I can turn any conversation into cats, into it being about cats. It's a talent. It that is a talent. I'm, I'm impressed. <laughs> Thanks, Sarah. Uh, we'll, we'll get a cat counter. How many times does the conversation turn to cats throughout the Terran show? Um, so you you end up starting uh, Black and Saint. Uh, like, what was the um, the idea behind it? Like, did you have a goal for it beyond just like this is um, you know a, a side project or or, or what? Um, it really was just a creative outlet. My, me and my sister started it together. Well, like, when did you, or, or like, 
you, you know, you, you mentioned that you wanted it to be about sort of like girl power and, and fem- feminism. Uh, has that always been something that's important to you? Did that stem from, you know, uh, your experience or like knowing that you had been in Iran and then coming to Canada? Or was it something separate from that? You literally like hit the freaking whatever the thing it's called, the nail on the head <laughs> or whatever the expression is. That's literally exactly what it is. Like I grew up with parents who instilled that in me. Um, like now my parents are divorced now. My dad finally had a son after like five girls. But it, <laughs> when we grew up, when we grew up, it was me, my sister and my mom. And it's a very like girl dominated family. And my dad did bring us to Canada because we're girls, because he wants us to achieve things that we wouldn't have been able to achieve in Iran. So it's always been something that's like ingrained in my mind. And when they got divorced, they got divorced when I was in grade six. My mom raised me as a single mom to like with me, my sister. And she was literally like the strongest woman I've ever met or ever seen. And she's inspired me so much. And like so much of my clothing brand is inspired by my mom. I like never talk about this stuff. It feels so weird talking about this. Like, I don't like getting <laughs> serious and stuff. Anyways, yeah, it, it really is. It, it stems like 100% from my parents. And as much as I love my mom, I mean, as much as I love my dad, it is my mom. Like my mom has like inspired me so much in my life. And like, I always said like, on Big Brother, if I win the money, it's only a hundred grand. So it's not very much. But like, I just want to finally buy her her own place. Like, I want her to stop renting. I want her to just be happy and comfortable. Like, that's the one goal I have in my life now is just setting up my mom. Well, was it hard when they, when they divorced? Not really. I think me and my sister were actually like happy that they were divorcing because they weren't yeah. very happy together. And like, you can tell they're not happy. So we would be like, why don't you guys just separate? And they kept telling us, it's like, oh, no, because of you guys. We're like, no, no, you guys should separate. <laughs> so like, I always say that I'm like, when parents are like, no, we stay together for the kids. It's like, no, no, no. The kids know you're not happy. The kids know the environment that they're in. Like, it's not helping anything. You should get divorced. And they're both so much happier now. Um, they both have like amazing lives now. So it was definitely the great, like the best decision for them. Uh, all right. So you end up getting cast on big brother. You're, you're, you're given one hour to pack. You just, you had just <laughs> launched your company. Um, so, uh, were you, were you worried about that? The fact that you just, I mean, again, like you just launched a company, you just like yeah. turned down the London opportunity. Was that all like in the back of your mind as you go to big brother? I would no, no, because it was like Big Brother's happening. So everything <laughs> else just gets tossed aside. You're just like, fuck everything else. I'm going on Big Brother. Let's just not be the first person out. As soon as I kind of like started getting a feeling I might be on, like I was never confident, but I thought I might be on. I started like writing out crazy ass notes. Me and my sister would sit down and watch. We watch from season two on. Um, literally just note after note after note. So that's what we did for the weeks prior. And I give that, I get that hour. I'm just like, oh my God, like I have nothing set up right now, but I've got a great family, like such a good support system. Like I, my sister took care of everything. That's good. So I, I've always been, been curious about like that moment when you're brought on stage, right? Uh, uh, before you enter the house. Yeah. Like, what is that? Like, because uh, you've been in sequester for a while at that point, right? And it's not like Survivor where you're ha- hanging out with all the cast members, but not really allowed to talk. And, and that's all weird. But you're you're like isolated, right? Yeah, you're completely isolated. Like I, I read up on stuff that um, uh, people had written about US about how their sequester worked. And it was like, oh, they get gym time and they get meal times together, but they're just not allowed to talk. They have to sit at different tables. Ours was nothing like that. It's so secluded. You see no one. You're like, everything is locked. You can't leave. You don't see, you literally don't see anyone. I like, like, I remember the first time I'm going in, um, Rochelle was standing in front of me. And then we have like a wrangler in between each person for when you're about to go on stage or whatever. 
And I just remember like looking at the back of her and that was the first time I saw I'm like, holy shit, this girl's stunning. What am I doing here? Like I fucked up. <laughs> and then they like, I'm about to walk out on stage and they called me Heather instead. So I had to do like the stage walk again to come back out. And like, you're so freaking nervous. The stage is the slipperiest thing ever. Like this is the one thing I would change about Big Brother is their stage is way too slippery. <laughs> and we're wearing heels. Our knees are shaking. I'm like slipping all over the place. Like It's a mess. It's actually such a mess. Well, that's like when we went to the, the studio uh, during Big Brother Canada 5, Arissa was telling us about like going down those stairs to the, yeah. the Odyssey was like the most dangerous thing for her because like there's no railing and she has to like be like walking down and like yeah. looking at the camera. It's like she's going to like break her neck. Um, they do but... not think this at all. Even like when we had to vote in bb Cantu, like at, from the jury there was a stupid little like i don't even know like a, a bridge or something <laughs> that you had to cross over i'm like are you guys serious i'm in six inch steel stilettos right now i cannot do this <laughs> i already oh, hate man. my life <laughs> yeah um, okay so uh you're on stage you're about to go into the house uh how, like how nervous after after so long of being isolated now you're here this is your dream are you just like are you conscious about every single thing that you do because you know that that people are watching and they're paying attention and like uh you're just like ready for the game frick i don't even know season two like that was like a mind fuck i i feel like it was a lot easier Season two, you're a lot more nervous, but you're more excited. You, everything is fresh to you. You know what I mean? You have no expectations. You're going in there, and I can promise you the majority of people, even if you go in there, you want to win, your first goal is don't be the first person evicted. And that's mm. literally it. That's the first, that's the only thing going through your mind. Even though you obviously want to win, you obviously want to make dreams. It's just, you're just like, don't be the first one evicted. Don't be the first one evicted. Don't fall. Don't fall. And that's all I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Like, that was literally all I was thinking. Like, it's just like, a, I don't know, seeing Arissa in person for the first time. That's when you first see her on the stage before you go in. That's when it becomes real. Like, when you see Arissa, you're like, oh, my God, I'm on Big Brother. <laughs> yeah. Because even when you're in the house, it never sinks in. Like, it never sunk in the first time around that I was on Big Brother until Arissa would come on the screen. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Up until then, you're just yeah, hanging out in the you're, house. You're just chilling. Yeah. Um, so you end up, you, you know, you go on the season, uh, you end up really becoming a, a very dominant strategic force in the season. Um, you are, uh, you know, you're, you're praised all over the place. Um, did you expect to have the experience that you did when you went on the show or did, was that like far exceeding the, or was it not exceeding? Was it not living up to your expectations because you didn't win? It's like such a hard answer, a question to answer. Um, okay, going into it, I obviously really want to win. Um, like the amount I prepared for this show is crazy the very first time. Second time too, obviously I prepared a lot. Like I prepared so much. I really, really wanted to win. Um, I never actually expected to be able to win or anything. Like that only hit me maybe around final six, final five that I could potentially win. Um, but no, ugh. I don't know. It's just, it's the, the expectations of it. Yeah. So like, I didn't think I was going to win. So obviously like doing really well in the game, getting to final three, I was like, I was shocked at myself for that for sure. Um, I, I the fact that I came out and like a lot of people were really happy with me and stuff. That was crazy. Cause I didn't expect that at all when, um, cause okay. Towards the end of season two, obviously I'd been talking about getting drawn out and stuff. 
And I knew he was a fan favorite. Like it was just so obvious in our house, John's a fan favorite. So I thought when I got evicted, when John evicted me, I would come out to booze. I was literally backstage, like hyperventilating, thinking the audience is going to boo me. And I'm like, I watch the UK and stuff where they're like freaking brutal, you know, to the people they don't like. So I, I'm waiting backstage. I'm literally like, they're going to boo me right now. They're going to boo me. I come out and it's like standing ovation. So it was, I was not expecting that at all. But then people think that from like, you know, the fan reaction I had, I had a lot of support and stuff that like made my head go a little big, but I went to Newfoundland right after (laughs) John and I moved to Newfoundland pretty much right after we lived there for the summer. And, um, they, they made sure my head didn't get big there. (laughs) They're very big John supporters. And that's it. If you're slightly against John, they don't like you. <laughs> it was like, like the majority of Newfoundland is freaking amazing people. We met like the sweetest people ever, but the meanest people I also met are from there. So like they would like come up to John, they see me sitting right there and they'd be like, John, you played a great game. Screw that Netta girl, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then John's like, this is Netta right here. Like, don't care. <laughs> what? Wow. And like, so I had to like deal with that stuff. Obviously, there was amazing people there too. But like, once you're getting that kind of like stuff said to your face, you're not like, oh, I'm the best shit ever. <laughs> and then on top of that, like when John and I got together, we dealt with a lot of hate, like a lot of hate and backlash, mm. which is, yeah, that's a different story. But like I had that coming in and then I had like the John fans not liking me. And then there was like stuff with the production where it was like, like, I was literally living with John and Arlie, and they would get invited to events that I wouldn't. And I'm like, production knows we live together. <laughs> so it's not like, like, I was never like, oh, I'm the hottest shit, because I wasn't. And I was, people made sure I never felt like that. So, and then I didn't win. I didn't make any money out of it or get anything out of it. So I was never like, this is the best thing of my life. But it was pretty cool coming out and getting, the best part was coming out and getting recognition from, like, super fans. That's what I mm-hmm. respected. Like, I loved going on to the forums and stuff and people were defending my game because that's all that mattered to me was that I played a really good game and I was really proud of that just because of how big of a fan I am of Big Brother and the strategic aspect of it like I don't care if you're the most entertaining person that person's never been my favorite on Big Brother it's always been the strategic person so I was happy that I came out and that's what I was known as so you uh you ended up you know having this very close relationship with John in the house uh you get down to the end and he he cuts you right at the end obviously that must be uh a, a pretty devastating moment like were you were you expecting that were you expecting that he wouldn't cut you like what was the feeling when that happened um okay so like i thought hmm, i don't even know where to start with okay there was this one night that i got really freaking drunk and if anyone remembers watching feeds uh, on my season they'll remember this night it was after our um the awards night they i got about like two bottles of champagne to myself and i was messed up and um so I, there's like clips of me literally like passed out in the backyard <laughs> and stuff like in my onesie um so that night i remember getting really drunk and they locked um, me sabrina and john in the hoh room and i didn't do this for any sort of game purpose at all it was just because i was drunk and like i kind of spilled the fact that i wanted the money for my family and stuff and um afterwards john and i were still talking that's the one-on-one he's like listen i will like never evict you from this game because of that it was a really heartfelt like thank you really did mean it so i took that moment and i was like no he's not going to evict me because he was like so genuine in this moment i was so genuine in that moment um so i didn't like there was always that doubt in my mind but i didn't really think it until he won that final hoh and then i've said this so many times it's the way he hugged me it was this like lackluster shitty little hug that like you give to someone that smells like i was like okay he's not taking me and then like he said it i was like oh fuck but 
it's like such a respectable game move. Like if we ever went back in, now that we have a personal relationship outside of the game, and he did that to me, I'd never speak to the guy again. And like, <laughs> he knows that. But the fact that like we had just met, and it's a game and you're playing for yourself. Like I had nothing but respect for him doing that move. I, and I think that's like a, a difference where like, you know, some people, they come very close and then they lose because they lost a jury vote or because they like were like really stabbed in the back by somebody that they would never have betrayed. But I think uh, like the fact that you had been planning on stabbing him in the back uh, probably helped the, the fact that like, yeah, you know what? He, he got me right. Yeah, fully, fully. But like, um, like I, I didn't really. OK, here's another thing. Um, I was obviously like, fuck, I, I was, I'm sure I would have evicted John. Let's be serious. Like, I'm sure once the time came, I would have evicted John. But leading up to that day, I really didn't know. I would go, like that day, I went to the DR like 100 times being like, you guys, I legit don't know. Do I take Sabrina and give this person I don't think like deserves to win the money, the money? Or do I take John? He deserves it. I think I would win over him anyways. Because um, I had this like crazy ass speech prepared. Um, I think I went over him. Anyways, I just really didn't know what to do. Um, but again, even obviously, even thinking about evicting him, you're just like, okay, well, he evicted me. You can't be that mad. He was also, <laughs> freaking brat, he was also going to the DR, always talking about evicting me. They just know <laughs> it. Oh, okay. Yeah. We, we've talked about it so many times. Like, he talked about it all the time. How long was that going on for? Because I, I like I like for me at least, I never real like I never saw like the turn from like it, I think he definitely was planning on taking you to the end up until a point. Um, fans think it was around the Adele time. I think it was mm-hmm. when I evicted Adele when he wanted to keep him. Um, they think it was around that time. I really think it came down to like final three time when he was. That's when he like decided for sure. I think yeah. that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. That's that's always what I like because like uh, you know feeds go down at a certain point, and I yeah. felt like going into when the feeds went down, I felt that's like he was going to take you. Yeah. And then I think honestly, what it was, it, it, it hit him that the game is about to be over. Like we're over. He, this is a girl I just met. Like it, the game's about to be done. I'm about to go out into the real world. Um, I think that's what really hit him in the last couple of days because the last few days where you're in Big Brother, you don't feel like you're in Big Brother anymore. You're the way the experience is, it's weird. Like you're always locked into different types of rooms and stuff. You're not doing the competitions anymore. They're like, like, I think like Arista's probably like doing something downstairs. So they lock you in the rooms and they play the same freaking music over and over again until you're going crazy. Um, so it doesn't, it doesn't feel like you're in big brother anymore. Your mind goes to like a different mindset. So I think potentially him realizing this is the end of the game. And I just met this girl. I need to cut her. So did you know at the time uh, when you were in the house that there was a potential for uh for more than for than just a friendship with john or was that like not even in your consciousness at the time mm, like looking back on it now obviously we both had a freaking huge ass crushes on each other in that house but anytime that even like popped into my head i was like no like i just like swatted the freaking like thing away <laughs> in the house i just did not pay attention to it i would not let myself even like like it would pop into my head i just be like go the fuck away <laughs> and i would not pay attention to it um yeah, like we obviously liked each other in that house. You can't spend that much time with someone. We were literally together twenty four seven for seventy one days. Like by the end of that, we felt like we were already in like a ten year relationship. Like, yeah. and we hadn't even been together. Um, <sighs> when the show ended, we honestly we didn't really talk for a week or so. Like nothing. We didn't have each other's numbers or anything. When we went to Niagara, we didn't even get a chance to really talk or anything. Um, 
And then it wasn't until Big Brother flew me, John and Sabrina to the show Upfronts in Toronto. That's when we started like kind of talking again. And he's like, yeah, like at the time, like he had broken up with his girlfriend and stuff. So I was just like, I, I felt more comfortable like talking to him again. Because mm. I was like, obviously, I like this guy. I don't want to be talking to him like off the show when, you know. Um, but anyway, so we went to shop friends. We're both like single at this time. Um, we had our first kiss waiting for Arissa to like come join us in the car. And then we <laughs> hid it from everyone. Um, that was the trip that actually like, I like me and Sabrina got along so well. We oh, were it was crazy. Like we went like shopping together. We had so much fun on this trip. And then after shop friends, John and I, um, we flew back to Vancouver together. We spent a couple of weeks here. Um, we went and did a couple of events like across Canada, went and did a like East Coast tour. And then me, him and Arlie moved into a house in Newfoundland for the rest of the summer. Um, and then we decided to move to Toronto together. He brought his dog. We adopted a cat. And then a year and a half year later, we broke up. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the story. Yeah, there you go. Um, so like, I mean, not only do you come out of Big Brother there's obviously a lot of attention uh, just from being like basically the star of, of season two, or, or at least the, the co-star with John, um, some might say. Uh, <laughs> um, but you also have uh, a lot of attention on, you know, this, this relationship, uh, you know, you're, you're with somebody and obviously he had like a, a girlfriend when he was on the show. Was there a lot of like blowback from that? I, I, I mean, I imagine there was. 100%, 100%. Like obviously even, uh, yeah, like it, it was, I don't really talk about this very much because I don't know. Like, I've had a problem with internalizing a lot of stuff since season two, pretty much, where I just, especially with fans and stuff, I try not to share too much because I felt like once John and I did get together and we were sharing, like, our relationship, we got a lot of, you get more haters the more you share, right? Um, even though you get, like, 200 really amazing comments, you get that one mean comment, and that's the only one I would concentrate on. That's just the way my brain works. I'm like, okay, these people are, like, writing really nice things and whatever, but, like, this one person took time out of their day to, like, write this mean thing. Like, why would they do that? Why? What is it about me? Blah, blah, blah. So I, I really started getting really, like, badly affected by it. Um, especially I had the, I had a problem where I, when I got off the show, I went directly back to all the forums. Um, mm -hmm. like I, I haven't used my, um, I do use my old username, but I never use like my own Netta, my actual Netta one. So I went back on all the forums. I read everything. And even though like season two, like people say, oh yeah, you played the best game. There's so much hate out there. And like, that's all I would concentrate on was the hate. I was never like, oh, people are saying I was the, one, one of the best players ever. I was like, oh, this person says blah, 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 like hating on me. So that's true. Um, so I never, I had never dealt with anxiety until after season two. And that's, I've like read up on it now and like talked to people and stuff. And it's like, it does usually set in, in your twenties um, from like traumatic experiences like that. So that was like my first like thing dealing with anxiety. I, I had never dealt with it before. And it's really set in after season two. It was like, I think it started around like September after our season ended or something. So like I, it, and it set in like heavy, it was like heavy, heavy anxiety that I still like deal with. And like, it's, I never realized like a show could affect me like that. And it wasn't just like the show. It was like, yeah, okay. The game sucks. You, even being in that house, being confined for 71 days, you barely get any outdoor time. Like us people don't understand how lucky they have it, that they have a backyard, they have sun, they can go and nap. Like, 
that kind of stuff, not being able to nap, not getting any sunlight for what, like 72 hours, three days, sometimes at a time, it really affects you. Like, and you get sunlight and it's freezing cold outside. You can only be there for five minutes. That's affecting you. On top of that, you got haters. On top of that, you have this crazy ass relationship you were just into. On top of that, you have people in the alumni thinking certain things about you and talking about you behind your back, even though you've never met them before. Um, so yeah, like after season two, once like the, the fun stuff was over the touring and stuff and the anxiety set in, it was shit. Like it was not a fun time. Like it took me, it took me a while. It took me a while to like become normal again. It was, it was actually kind of scary. It was going into season five where I was like, okay, like I feel like my head's back on right. Like I'm, I'm okay now. I feel like back to the old Netta. Like, and then and then I do this season. Oh, great idea. Uh <laughs> Well, like, I, I feel like that may surprise some people because I think they might understand, like, somebody coming off the show, like, who is hated, how they might have an averse reaction to that. But I think it's I think it's harder to grasp that even if you are somebody who is pretty universally loved in terms of, like, a Big Brother fan base, you, like, it still is very affecting because... Just because there are 200 positive comments doesn't mean that the one comment isn't going to land and isn't going to affect you either, especially if there's a lot of like nasty stuff about really personal things like a relationship. Um, and, uh, you they know, I, I they dig in like they go they go for the fucking jugular like they they will say the things that you probably think about yourself and those are the ones you can't because they know how to get to you. Like they know what your insecurities are like these trolls. They know. And they go for the things that affect you the most. And you do concentrate on that because you're like, oh, I do think I have a big nose. But like this person's pointing at us. So obviously, everyone thinks so. And then you concentrate on that, you know, like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, because it's yeah. like if, if one person says it, you do feel like it's representative of like, oh, well, other people must totally. also think this if somebody like took the time out of their way to to, to go and say it. Um, but yeah, honestly, like I never came off the show being like I'm universally like because I never felt like that. Like fans mm-hmm. never let me feel like that. Like obviously my family never let me feel like that they don't care who what i do or like my friends are like my actual lifelong friends they're not big brother fans like they watch the season because i was on it and stuff but they're not like they used to make fun of me for like watching big brother and stuff so it's not like i came off to like praise from people in my actual life so that stuff never got to me and like i wasn't treated any differently from my friends or anything like i heard stories i don't know who was i was talking i think maybe it was jordan where he's like he lost friends and stuff and i've talked to a lot of people who have lost friends from the show and I was like so lucky to have that support system that stayed with me, even when I got off the show and stuff, um, that I didn't have to deal with that. But yeah, no, they never let me feel special, my friends. So I, my head <laughs> didn't get that big. That's good. Well, because I, I feel like, you know, and again, because like, you know, people might not expect it, but I feel like even even when you do get lots of praise, like it's still a very fragile thing. I think the the, you know, living and dying by all of this feedback, having such a spotlight on you, even if it's positive attention, it can really get to you because people are paying attention. They're all they are commenting on every move that you make. And that can obviously lead to things like anxiety. We're like normal humans. Like people just don't like even me watching the show before as a fan. I was like, they chose this. They chose to go on this. I'm jealous that they're there living this and I could be there instead. So, yeah, you do feel more critical of the people playing this game that you should be playing, that you feel the right that you should be in there instead of them. Um, so you people do judge more. And uh, the, the fans honestly don't realize how much freaking power they have over us. Like they have <laughs> so much power. They just don't realize this. And 
you guys just be nicer. It's like they go and they're like, they hate on people for saying something on a show, but they'll go and say something a billion times worse on Twitter, but that's okay. Um, so you also mentioned, uh, the, the sort of like the alumni community. I know Jordan talked a lot about that, like, um, especially coming out of big brother, he felt like it was almost like he was in this new sort of bubble, uh, for a little while. And that's what the, that like alumni sort of community feels like. Um, and there's positive things to it, but also negative things to it. What was your experience? Um, the best way you can describe the alumni is like, remember high school. It's exactly like (laughs) high school. Like you meet people that you, um, you make lifelong friendships with that are like my absolute best friends. Now they will, they know me better than like my family knows me. And I'm so grateful for it. And I feel like the majority of experiences I've had with alumni are that great. Um, but yeah, then there's groups that you just don't hang out with for whatever reason, some groups just diverge and then hate on each other. And the unfortunate thing about that was this season, because I was on the season, I didn't get a chance to, you know, say the things I wanted to say. And there's the alumni I've met at like, what, one or two events. We're cordial to each other, but like, they don't know me. I don't know them. But like fans expect you to know each other because you were both on Big Brother. So when they say something about you, fans take that and they run with it as that's it. Like another house guest said it, so it must be true. But it's like, we don't know each other that well. Like I've got my good solid group of like, it's like maybe like, I don't know, like 10, 20 people that I absolutely adore. Like these are people I will like die for. <laughs> Literally, I love them so much. And then there's, the rest of them that you just kind of know on like a basis of like you see them every once in a while but like fans just take it if that person says something that's it that's what happened and that's how the community works but i don't know best way to explain well, it is high school yeah well it's 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 like high school that's like in front of a huge audience right like yeah. where there's like rooting interest and like you know things are getting spilled it's like it's it's like when you were in high school and you felt like it was the most important thing in the world because like everybody would yes. care, but like actually there are a ton of people that care about every single thing. And if if you know if one person says one thing now, all of a sudden there are like a hundred people coming at you and being like, "Why are you doing this?" Exactly, and they just believe that one person. But it's also like I feel like the fans they create the drama within the alumni more than the alumni creates the drama within itself because <laughs> they will. When I came off the season, even when I was in jury when I talked to jury members, when we all talked about stuff, when we came out of the house, we didn't know Netta and Aika was a storyline. We didn't know that this was a conflict. When we were in jury, we thought the storylines were like Dylan versus Aika, not even Dre versus Aika, no one even thought of that. Like Jackie versus Aika, like these are what you're thinking. But we come out and the main storyline had been like Netta versus Aika. Like to me, that was shocking. Because I'm like, oh, there was other people in the house that I want to go away before her. But it's like, yeah, the production has made the scene like that. But then when you come out, fans like really enforce this hatred because they want to continue to see drama. It's interesting for them. Like, I remember I signed up for Twitter because after BB15, I want to see what these people were like responding and saying and Mm. stuff. Um, you're still intrigued. You want to keep that experience going. So fans love the drama. They love feeding into it. They love sending each other clips, like sending house guests clips of what each other said about each other in the house. Like they keep sending me and Cindy clips of like what we said and we call each other like, do we care? Do we care? No. <laughs> Well, that's like fans that like stir it up more than anything. Yeah, well, I I was just talking to Aubrey Bracco from from Survivor. And, you know, obviously she had an interesting situation where there were lots of Michelle fans who ends up uh, beating her in the jury, uh, the jury vote. uh, And then, you know, uh, lots of Aubrey fans and those fans would fight amongst each other. And because of that, they'd like have animosity toward the other side and therefore toward 
either Aubrey or Michelle. And then they'd take that out, that anger, that frustration because of all this fighting. But like, oh, no, Aubrey played the better game. No, Michelle played the better game. They take it out on the person. And then they'd be like, why aren't you more mad at Michelle for all this stuff? Like, we're mad for you. Like, you should be mad with us. And it it really does. Like she she alluded to it, like it, it really does sort of like they expect you to be more angry and more yeah. like like uh they 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 want you to fight and like because they're fighting and like they're frustrated um and they they try to like pass it on to you like i'm sure there is some like alumni that like yeah they do fight cuz they don't like each other whatever so like yeah you don't you have no idea how often it, like in my mentions fans will be fighting amongst themselves like about whatever about the game and then for them to make a point, they start like the, the other side will start insulting me to my fan. And I'm just like, wait, but I'm not even in this. You're not even arguing <laughs> about me. Like you just bring me into the conversation because maybe that person has like a profile picture of, of me or something. It's like they just started insulting me when the conversation wasn't even about me to get to that fan. I'm like, but I have to read this. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's. I think it's very it, like it is very dehumanizing in many ways. Where they they see you as uh, a character, and, or, or even just like like less than that. You're just like you're a, you're a, you're a, you're a photo, you know, on a, yeah. a print, print Twitter profile. Uh, and, like and fair enough. Like that that does make sense. And again, like it goes back to what I said, where it's like the fans are watching and being like, it should be me there mm-hmm. playing this game. That's why they get mad at like who was it that just I'm not watching BB19, but like someone just ate or something. And people got mad because they're like, if I was a, if I was there in his place, I wouldn't have done. That. So I feel like the fans feel more opinionated and even harsher because they think they could do this so much better than anybody else. And it's their right as a fan to be playing. And if you're doing something wrong, they could be doing it better than you. So they have to let you know. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, on, on the flip side of that, you mentioned that you do appreciate the the sort of like the super fans and the strategy fans, like how they sort of uh, appreciated your game. Uh, I know that, uh, you know, we uh, we did a happy hour podcast uh, where we named you the, the best player to ever play Big Brother Canada. Um, what is it like to be the subject of that kind of podcast? <laughs> It's weird. It's weird. Honestly, I feel like anytime even like fans come up to me or anything, it's like they're talking about a different experience, a different person. Like it doesn't feel like anyone's talking about me. Like it's just yeah. like a different, like I view myself as a character almost where it's like someone's like, oh, you did so well and you did this and this. I feel like they're just talking about somebody else, but I like obviously go along with it. So like um, when you did do that podcast though, like after I found out I was going on season five, I was like, fuck, I wish these yeah. assholes hadn't done this. <laughs> I think that screwed me over so bad. I I, <laughs> like, do I need a bigger felt bad. target. Do I need yeah. a bigger target? <laughs> <laughs> um, but obviously, I appreciate it. It's so cool. Like, who thinks like going in? As I said, I had winning Big Brother as my number one bucket list on my thing, and like people actually appreciating how you played the game is the coolest thing. Like, I would obviously always, always, always take that over being like, oh, you were so entertaining or you were like Canada's favorites. Like, if you were the best player, like, that's what I appreciate being known as. All right, so... You go through this whole thing. You 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 get anxiety from the season. You you go through this uh, very like you know uh, th- this relationship that ends up uh, you know uh, ending, but like is in sort of like a spotlight. And there's so, like so much that you deal with in terms of like coming out of Big Brother. Um, and then you you said you finally felt like you had gotten back to the the Netta of old. Um, like what was that? Uh, like what was the getting back to yourself? I think it took me leaving Toronto and then moving back to Vancouver and really just going home for a while to get back to that. Because right after season two, we went and we toured a lot. We went and did a bunch of events. We were 
really just so engulfed in this world in this big brother bubble, like you said, where we weren't getting out, but all of our friends were big brother people, like all of our events were big brother things. And that's all you're surrounded by. And it does make you feel like, yeah, these fans that are so overwhelming, you feel like that's your life. But then I would talk to like my best friends who aren't in Big Brother about this and they had no clue any of this was even happening because they're not on Twitter. They're not like on these forums. They're like, you just need to like get off, like get off, get away. So like when John and I broke up, it was just, it was hard because like obviously the relationship aspect of it was hard, but like, it was hard because just everyone wanted to know why, where, what happened. And this is in person, any fan that I meet, like is bringing this up and on every forum, on every, like, I was deleting, like at one point, like 20 comments a day about John, on my Instagram and stuff. I'm like, this is too much. I don't want to be hearing, like, we're on great terms. John and I right now are best friends staying in the freaking same Airbnb. But still, when you first break up with someone, you don't want them literally throwing your face over and over and over again. You're like, okay, like this is a private matter, but people feel like the need to, like they have the right to it because it started on a national scale. And they felt the right to it because we had shared photos of each other on Instagram. So they just felt like they had the right to say what they wanted and whatever. Even if it was supportive stuff, like, oh, I'm so sad you guys are done. Or where's John? It's like, I don't want to hear that right now. When I just broke up with someone, you don't want to hear that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, was, it, was, it wasn't something that you can ever, like, I think, get prepared for, you know? Like, I didn't go on yeah. Big Brother to get fame. Like, I went on Big Brother to win money and to play a game that I love. I never expect the social media to become so crazy. Yeah, and I mean, like, having to deal with that in a relationship and, you know, like... That, I mean, that's the last thing, obviously, I mean, you just said it like that's the last thing you want to be dealing with yeah. when you're trying to get over a relationship and like work your way through the feelings and all of that. Like often, you know, you break up with someone, you barely even want to like have to talk about it to like yeah. your your friends that aren't like your closest friends, let alone like thousands of strangers who like have an idea of who you are that maybe isn't even who you are. And I like what you said about like, it felt like people weren't talking about me uh, because I, I I get that too a lot. Like when people say things about me, even just like being on a podcast, I often get the sense that like, yeah, I mean, I, I like that you're saying that like, I'm good at podcasting or whatever, but it doesn't feel like you're actually talking right. about me. It feels like you're talking about uh, like the like podcast, Taryn. Uh, I don't know. Like, uh, I feel like they're separate people. Um, Um, and, uh, but, but yeah, like, so like people that, that think they know you or have an idea of you and they're commenting on their idea of what, of who you are and what your relationship is. Um, like it, I, I, I can easily see how that could like really like be difficult to, to, to work through. Yeah, totally. There was like one event we did in, um, it was a really quick one. I think it was like after we broke up, there was one in Kelowna. There was like a few of us from like the West Coast that like went and did this event and stuff. And obviously John wasn't there, but it was like, I was there for maybe like 30 minutes and had every single person that came up to me wanted to talk about me breaking up with John. Yeah, well, it's it sounds like that's it, it, like in many ways it took that to like really get you to focus back on like real stepping life. out of that world and yeah, getting back to real life. Yeah, and coming out of season five, I feel like, okay, I feel like I got... No, I got mentally messed up this season too. I feel, like I, got, <laughs> I feel like I got more deeply mentally fucked up after season five, but the messed up part that I felt after season two lasted a lot longer. So after season mm-hmm. five, I was able to like shut that down quickly, deal with it because I had, I, I knew how to deal with it now. I knew not, I did everything differently. I didn't do any events after this one. I refused to like do 
like you make good money doing these. I stayed home for a little while. Like I made sure I was just home with my family, with my friends. I did not even touch the forums this time around. Like man, imagine after season two, me going on forums and being like distraught. What, what yeah. would have happened to me if I went on after this season? <laughs> you guys would have found me in like a mental hospital or something. Like just well, crying on a street corner somewhere. I mean, <laughs> since you didn't look, I can just tell you that everyone is actually super nice. Um, and you never have to look to find out. To, to You can trust me. Uh, everyone loved you. Um, okay, Darren. <laughs> uh, but um, so you mentioned that um, like you didn't feel like production saw you as like uh, like somebody important enough to invent uh, or to to invite to things uh, and stuff like that. What what was the what was your relationship with production? Um, honestly, I've always felt like it's been okay. Like again, I feel like that's something the fans like played up like crazy. Like clearly season five is a different story but like i mean like people the thing that people talk about the most is like that yellow dress story what happened was i did the very first sideshow with like john and dan and i was wearing a blue dress had to change into a white dress that's fine i had a different dress with me i didn't care um they asked me again to come back on and um had like a couple of days to go shopping for it and stuff and because of the anxiety thing i was like telling you about like after the show i went into big brother at around 120 pounds like i've always been super 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 skinny it's just like how i've just always grown up like super tiny 120 pounds was probably the most i've ever weighed in my life went to big brother on the show i lost quite a bit of weight just from anxiety and then after the show like when it really hit like i was it was bad like my lowest weight was around 92 pounds when it was like really really bad so i was like obviously so self-conscious of this especially like I remember we went on a trip to Cuba and I posted a picture on the beach and stuff. And like, you get such mean fan comments being like, you anorexic bitch, go eat a burger, like blah, blah, blah. And that shit gets to you. So like, um, anyways, I, I went shopping for like what I want to wear or whatever. I found this dress, like one dress. It really didn't make me look that skinny. Like it was the only thing that didn't make me look like anorexic at the time. I'm like, okay, good. Like fans won't like go and hate on me now. Like after the show, I called them. I told them what color it was. They were like, it's fine. Everything's good. The night before, I was told that I wasn't allowed to wear that color. So I was literally like, you guys, like, I just, this is the only thing that I feel comfortable in wearing. Like, I, I really, like, I was like crying to them on the phone. I'm like, I know I'm being so dramatic right now. Like, I totally understand I'm being a pain in the butt, but like, I just cannot, like my mental state is not okay right now. Like I can't go on TV wearing something I'm not comfortable in when I know I'm going to get like the meanest comments and like whatever afterwards. And pretty much it just led to a point where I didn't end up doing the sideshow because of that. Um, but that was like my side of it. it. Like, honestly, if I had another thing to wear, I would have just worn it like the first time. I just didn't want to go on and get all this hate. And like, already I'm like, like 92 pounds. That's freaking skinny. I was like half the size I am now. I'm already so skinny. Like, I know I'm skinny. People don't need to tell me. But it like, I just didn't want to deal with that. So that's where that like stemmed from. I feel like people just always didn't get the full story behind that. Because like I said, since season two, I'm like, I've held back a lot. And I feel like, like when other alumni say anything or when production does anything, I don't ever speak up about it. And that's made people kind of make their own assumptions about things and fill in the gaps. And the gaps have all been wrong. Yeah, well, I, I think that's it's, it's unfortunate because like, like for me, I have the most respect for the person that like, you know what, this is like, I'm not going to spill drama. You know what I mean? Like, um, but like, you know, then you stay quiet and then everybody else is talking about it. And th then it's like, well, now I, now I have to yeah. like say my thing and I like, I don't want to have to like, and, and you know, that's, it's, you know, obviously, you know, you feeling self-conscious about your weight and stuff like that's not something that you want to have to like tell yeah, exactly. everyone. Um, 
but they're going to make assumptions about you anyway. And they're going to, you know, it just, it leads to more things. And this is again, just like, even if you think that like being somebody who is, is so popular coming out of the show, it doesn't mean that there aren't so many things that like can, can make you feel anxious about being in that position. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I think it's just, it's hard to understand until you're like, you're doing it. Cause like, yeah, even when I say the story, I'm like, girl, just freaking change into another dress. But I just <laughs> legitimately didn't have anything else. Like, I shopped for so long. I tried on so many things. I just felt so uncomfortable and everything else. Like it was to the point where I'm like crying to production. Like, please just let me wear the yellow dress. <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So you, you finally sort of recovered from the Big Brother Canada 2 experience. You're feeling like back to your normal self. And then like how soon after that was it that you, you got the call for Big Brother Canada 5? How soon after? I was feeling like normal for a while before I got that call, I think. Um, and I didn't believe I was getting on. I thought maybe some sort of twist where they're voting you in. And I was like, fuck, they're not going to vote me in. Like all of John's fans would be like, no. <laughs> <laughs> like I was like nervous. And I kept asking, I'm like, please just tell me if it's some sort of twist or like if it's some sort of voting or like something. Because like I don't want to get my hopes up. And they kept being like, no, no. But I just didn't believe them until I went on stage anyways. So what, what went into that decision to, to go back? Was it just because you, you wanted to, to, to play again? Do you, you wanted to like redeem yourself and, and win? Like, what was it? Honestly, I just love Big Brother. Like, I just love Big Brother. It, I, I, what are those people called who like bring pain on themselves? Masochists? Yes, that's me. <laughs> like, I know it's going to hurt. I know I'm not going to win. I know nothing that great is going to come out of it. But I'm going to say yes every single time. Like, it's so shitty. After the time out on five, you'd think I'd be like, fuck, no. I would go back in a second. Like, <laughs> I, I love this show. And, like, even though it's become so much of what I hate and it's changed so much over the years and the fandom's changed so much, I still love this show. It, like, my family was trying to convince me so hard not to go on. Like, so hard. My mom was like, what? Like, you are not doing this again. I was like, mom, what do you mean? Like, I have to. I've got to go back. <laughs> um honestly it it didn't take much of a decision like I was clearly like thinking with like a logical mind I'm like you shouldn't go back like when you think logically don't go back but I was like I'm never gonna say no yeah well were you were you concerned at all about like you know your reputation your 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 status as as, as a personality that the that, that people uh that people like well okay I never thought I was a personality that people like so I was never worried about that I was worried about, like, honestly, I never, because, like, season two, it's not like I was entertaining. Like, John was right. entertaining. I was, like, the, because, so I never was, like, oh, people, like, love me for my freaking entertainment value. Well, um, the, uh, many people call you queen, or uh, maybe they did. They did. I, I, yeah. I, think, I think they've moved on to a new queen now. <laughs> well, you used to be queen now. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> um, were, you, yeah. were you afraid of, of losing your uh, your crown? I thought that. I would go in, do some stupid like game move, and then people would be like, "See, she is stupid." Because it's not like I came off the show a second time around. I was like, "Oh, I'm the best shit." Like I was always like pretty like self conscious about like my game and stuff. Because like I know how much luck goes into Big Brother. You can literally mm -hmm. be the best person at Big Brother and be first out because your luck just sucked. Like so much goes into it. Like who you end up in the house with. I knew ever like since season two, I've known how lucky I got having like the sloppy seconds in there with me because they were so like almost blindly loyal so much fun to have with you in that house like so 
it was just it, it worked out really well for us. But you have it has to take a lot of luck to end up with a Heather and Adela John that you get along with so well and you work with so well together. So that was the kind of shit that I was like nervous about was like the luck. Will it be on my side? Will I, I know I can't play as good of a game as I did last time. And I know people are expecting that. And that was the hardest part is I, I knew people were expecting me to either win or do better. And like, how much better can you do than third? Like that's hard. Like <laughs> you have to win. Like you either have to win or you're going to let people down. So like, that was the hardest part, I think, was like just staying as good strategically as you, as people expect you to. Yeah, I mean, you know, those terrible people that name you best Big Brother <laughs> Canada player, it's a lot to live up to. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, uh, I, I felt the same way when I was like, uh, when I was talking Mitch up, I was just like, man, I'm really killing his chances if he ever goes yeah. <laughs> You guys should just name me the worst. <laughs> you know, I, maybe we should have um <laughs> so okay so you go you go back and you're really just there for the love of the game walk me through your experience playing a second time how was it different um this time was not fun at all like at all I and mean, you're like obviously you could tell on my face this time was not fun at all like the first time i played big brother yeah the i'm sure the anxiety had started to set in while i was still on the show but i didn't realize it so like this time i went in knowing i have full-blown anxiety and having to deal with that on top of that i'm like a very um i'm like an introverted extrovert or an extroverted introvert what's the way you say it but i'm an introvert like i like what he was saying you want to be an extrovert and you just aren't really so I was like really nervous about all this stuff going back in. And like, I knew I don't have the people that I trust in there. And then I was also like nervous about who's going back in. Cause it was like rumors that it's like um, internationals, blah, blah, blah. But I was like, I was okay with internationals. Cause I'm like one, it'll be people from that. I've already played before. So I'm not as big of a target and they're not going to care about like a Canadian player, you know, like it's not that big of a deal to them. So I go into the house and, as soon as I see the cast, I'm like, I'm, I'm so screwed. Like I'm so screwed. It's half newbies who know exactly what kind of game you play. The vets, half of them left pre-jury or they weren't like threats. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like going in there, you're the number one freaking threat. You weigh like 110 pounds. You're not going to be winning anything physical. I'm like, let's see how long I last. Like I was so surprised I wasn't put up week one. I was so surprised. Yeah, I I remember um I remember like watching the premiere and then you know feeds hadn't gone up yet and being like we could like come back like tomorrow or whenever and uh it could be like Netta or Kevin going home yeah. very easily. Yeah, literally literally I didn't think I was going to make it past week 1 as soon as I saw the cast. Like on night 1 I was like, "Oh yeah, and then night 1 I freaking have to go to the hospital. Like, I don't even know if you guys know this. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. I like, oh my God, that competition was the scariest thing. I'm not even scared of heights or anything, but it was just like one person after another fell and they didn't show this at all. But like every single person was getting so badly hurt falling. They were either falling off the thing or they were like hurting themselves or something. So like when William was like, Nada, you've got to let go of me. I can't hold on anymore. I was like, I can't. I'm too freaking terrified. I'm too terrified. I kept being like, big brother, I want, like, I knew we weren't going to win that anyways. I'm like, big brother, I want to quit. Let me just pull myself up. Let me put, they're not answering. I'm like, I don't want to drop. I don't want to drop. Um, Dylan and Bruno get up to come and help me. And um, I don't know, someone was like, no, no, you can't or something like that. So then I'm like so terrified. I don't want to let go of him. I start pulling our, ourselves up. We're almost up there and then we slip and we just slammed into the side so hard. 
my entire side was like messed up. My entire back was messed up. I like went into the DR and I was just on the ground. I was like literally on the ground. I couldn't move. Um, they made me go out there for when the comp finished just so I could be like clapping, be like, oh, they won. Um, and then immediately went to the hospital right after. And it was getting to a point where it's like, I think if you're away for a certain amount of hours, I can't remember how many it is. It's like, you're fully kicked out. Right. So I was just like, Oh my God, like, I, I don't want to go. I kept refusing to go. I'm like, I don't care what's wrong with me. I'm staying in this house. And they were like, no, no, you have to go. <laughs> like, fuck. Um, so it started off to like a really bad start right before I went on a stage two for a BB can fight. Cause you go individually or whatever. I had a full blown panic attack. Like they, they had to like postpone some crap for me. Cause like, I couldn't breathe. I was like shaking right before going on stage. I'm like in full blown tears that they like had just done all my makeup. Oh. It's all like streaming down my face. Like, I think it took them like about 30 minutes. The makeup artist was doing like Reiki on me. <laughs> so I have to deal with that. I go into the house. I immediately go to the hospital. <laughs> I'm like, this is just not after a good start. I come back. I'm not in the bed that I had put my suitcase down on originally. Um, I was in the blue room, which honestly, these rooms switch things up like crazy. You'd Like I didn't understand how big of a difference having separate bedrooms makes. Like, because on my season, we had a full blown bedroom and like the, the separation that occurs with bedrooms is crazy. So imagine if I had been in the pink room and not the blue room, just because of the first night, how things would have changed. Um, right. Yeah, so it just wasn't off to a good start, BB Camp 5. And then, you know, just kept going downhill. <laughs> yeah, well, you, uh, there there was a, a brief moment of of something, right? You got the the immunity uh, yeah. to the jury. What was, were you excited about that? Because they certainly portrayed it on the show as though you were excited. No, of course I was. Like, initially, when you hear the news, because not they had told us before this happening. So, like, I... I hear the news right away. I'm not thinking I'm going to win it at all. I was thinking like Gary, um, maybe Kevin, cause he's got a lot of like Twitch fans and stuff. Like I wasn't expecting to win it. So I was like, I was shocked, like g- a genuine shock when I won. I think that's what you guys saw as my excitement and like whatever. Cause like coming off of season two, like I said, I never thought I would win shit like that. I don't think casual fans would ever like me enough to vote for something like that. Um, so yeah, it was like, it was exciting that like I actually won that, but then a day goes on and I'm sitting there thinking about it. I'm like, oh my God, how much more screwed could I be? <laughs> I'm like, okay, if, if there wasn't a target on my back now before, there's definitely one now. And on top of that, I got Canada waiting to see what I'm going to do with this power. I can go one or two ways, do nothing, get to jury, get evicted, um, go home being like, crap, I didn't do anything this season. Canada's disappointed in you because you're boring or you get to the end anyways and no one votes for you because you didn't do anything or you can do things and make yourself a bigger target but try and get out your threats at the same time so when your immunity is up you're in a safer position so I just I didn't know what to do I obviously went with the wrong choice but it is what it is yeah well I I was uh I was defending I was defending your moves actually we, we were having arguments about it like should should net is Netta doing too much she doing too yeah. much. I've talked to I've talked to almost the majority of the people in that house, and if um, my downfall really started, like yeah, people think you got cocky, whatever. They don't show the the DRs where I refuse to put a crown on myself and call myself a mastermind. The amount of times I refuse to say the word mastermind is crazy, but you don't see that. You just see me being portrayed as this cocky person and. Sure. Yeah, of course you become, I, I became confident for sure. And there, once you have that power and you're like, things are going your way. Like, yeah, from Dallas's week, I, 
I did help control like those evictions where even though it didn't help my game, but um, I was becoming confident in the game. And that's the, that's what they saw. But like, they didn't see me like being like, I will not put a freaking crown on my head and call myself a queen. Like I'm not doing that. And still being portrayed as portrayed as that. Like it, it started, I think my real downfall was during Williams HOH week when he won that HOH. And when I lost, we heard the crowd cheering that flipped the house's opinion on me so quick. Mm-hmm. So quick. And it's so easy to want to get out the person that Canada hates. Like we, on our season, we heard like Kenny getting cheered for um, when he lost his thing. So we were like, okay, they don't like Kenny, easy decision. We already don't like him. We already want him out. This is like so much easier. Now you can convince the whole house of this. And then the way my double eviction was revealed uh, or the, the way the double eviction of my immunity was revealed, it's right before the double eviction, the arrest's button is pressed down. You can hear the whole crowd cheering that my thing is over when I'm giving my 15 second long speech to you know, save myself. Um, we can still hear the crowd, stuff like that. So like it makes the house's decision like so easy. Like Canada hates her, get rid of her. You know what I mean? I've talked to Cindy where it's like the decision did happen because of that. As much as people like to blame insult corner, me and Cindy have like talked through that and it 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 was a very different aspect of the game. It didn't have anything to do with her decision, um, as different as it looked on the show. But yeah, I think the crowd the crowd Canada got me out. <laughs> Yeah, well, because like this is you know, this is such an interesting thing to me, and, and, and I, I'm so, I'm sorry to say it's interesting because obviously it affects you so so negatively. But like just the way that the audience reacts to to you, you know, the the initial time that you go on the show, you are you know you are who you are, and you get a reaction that you didn't even think you'd get. You expected booze the first time, but people loved you, and and even then you felt like they loved an image of you that wasn't necessarily who you were. And yeah. I think in many ways that that was probably true because you go on again and then there's a different image of you this time. Production, they really, you know, they they, they play up the storylines, right? And you were a very easy villain to, to create, especially because you were going against all of the fan favorites who were now the underdogs. So this is like so my fault, obviously, because I'm stupid <laughs> enough that after my second season, like on my second season, you think after a full season, you're not that naive to shit like this. So I go in fully being like, I don't care about being a villain this season. I'm going to like, you see my opening credits where I'm just like, um, I was, I, I tried to play nice the first time around and I still got called bitch. So I'm just going to be a bitch this time. But to me, I'm saying this as, I'm going to be cutthroat and ruthless in a game. I'm going to make game decisions that are cutthroat and ruthless, like getting out like what I did on my first season, getting out Arlie, getting out like Heather when I'm friends with her, that kind of stuff. Not in a personal way, not in a way, like the only thing you did see me doing that was personal was the insult corner, which to me, like, I, oh my God, you have no idea how bad I felt afterwards. And obviously they didn't show that apology or anything. But like when I learned that she took it in that way and not the way that I took it, where it's my stupid ass sense of humor. And on my season, like I said, I was lucky enough to be with people who got that. Like we would play this game called the whisper game where you sit there with the sloppy seconds and I would whisper an insult about like John to Heather and she had to say it out loud to him. So to me, that's my sense of humor. That's what I thought we were doing. I thought it was all fun and stuff. Like no one's insulting, insulting her. They're like, oh, your feet stink. You know what I mean? Not like mm-hmm. anything like, but obviously when I heard like it did affect her, I was like the most apologetic. I genuinely felt that. But for them to like never call me into the DR and have me say my side, never show the apology. Um, talk about William. They, they show, there's like segments where they show William talking about bullies in the house and it doesn't show me being a bully. It just shows my face doesn't show an mm-hmm. example of me it doesn't show me ever in the dr being like 
I'm running the show. I'm a strategic mastermind. Fuck everyone. I hate everyone. Blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't know. It, 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 it's stuff that like that, like the little things of like William. Oh, everyone in this house is a bully. Facebook never. Like, of course, of course. Like I watched up until Insult Corner, um, like until the episode after that. And it was the first week I got out of the house. I stayed with John for, in Toronto for a week. So literally me watching these episodes, I'm curled up in a ball, crying throughout every single episode, watching them. And once it all ended, like once we got to After Insult Corner, I turned to John. I'm like, did you watch the season with my family? And you guys were just like, fuck Netta. Like, I hate this girl. Because I watched and I was like, holy shit, whoever this person is, I hate. Like, I hated myself watching that. So like, I'm not shocked at all the fans turn or anything. Like, what you see is so hateable and so easy to hate. But like, he was like, obviously, we know who you are. We didn't blah, blah, blah. But like, I couldn't keep watching because the person I saw, I didn't like. So I'm not shocked at all that people didn't like me on this season like I was so hateable it's so easy to hate you and like I'm I got rid of like Cassandra and Gary and it doesn't show my reasons for getting rid of them it doesn't show week one where things happen that turn people against whatever but it you know what I mean they're fan favorites I'm getting rid of them I'm saying shitty things I'm doing insult corner I'm like the slop cookie thing it doesn't show the fact that like like I say I love Gary now but it doesn't show the fact that like when people were have-nots he would take like a food spoonful of food and put it under their nose like jokingly and stuff you know and like everyone had agreed if you're hoh you give your cookies to whatever so if i was a fan i wouldn't have liked me (laughs) yeah well and that's that's part of like what's interesting because i know i like you you you, when we talk about survivor and especially like uh survivor australia right where like jerry manthe is like the 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 black widow the, the the most monstrous villain the show has ever seen and like nowadays we look back and we're like why was she a, a villain like she wasn't really a villain and and i feel like in many ways if there are people that watched big brother canada 5 who are now watching big brother 19 and they were like yeah netta was such a bully but now they're watching this season which is like one of the most intensely like yeah, aggressive seasons it's like what did netta do again it was nothing compared to what these people are doing I'm not going to lie. I'm not, I'm not watching BB 19, but like I'm keeping up like a little bit on like Twitter and stuff. And like people keep being like, like I saw evil dicks thing, like who was more like cocky Netta or Paul. I'm like, I don't think I ever referenced my fans or having fans. I remember on day six, me and Kevin both woke up being like, Oh my God, we both had nightmares about being hated because of our alliance. We're like, it's, it's going to happen. It's just what we have to deal with. Like we never were like, Oh, the Netta fans will have our back. Like <laughs> I have a brand to protect the Netta brand. It's like, it's, it's all jokes for, you know, like I was never that cocky. I'm like, I want to send me some clips guys. Like I was obviously bad. Like there's like a couple of clips of me being bad out there. Like, when like like the one thing people love sharing is like when i'm talking about cast or whatever but i'm just going off but it's like but did you see before when she's literally like blocking my way doing this and this is like everyone's at fault in that house but it's like you people just pick and choose what they want to be offended by and what they don't want to be offended by like their favorite can do something really mean but it's like whatever but if it's someone you don't like that does it's like oh worst person ever yeah yeah and 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 that i mean that really does happen like all the time and that's you know that's i think that's part of uh the the fandom like right like it's just like that's part of the appeal of the show to a lot of people is to is to you know have the villains and be like yes i i hate I, yeah i do hate this person um and you know like this and and you know like like aika is is my hero and netta is is the villain and that's just like i i don't want to hear otherwise because that ruins the the fun of like yes uh take her down aika yeah. um but but there you know there are real people behind those characters 
And I do think that, you know, once you take to uh, to Twitter or wherever to start to, like, attack those people, uh, the people behind the characters, that's when it starts to get, like, really, really hurtful, I imagine. Yeah, and it's fine. It's like, like I did go into the season saying, like, oh, this is the way I was going to be. Like, I own up to the way I was this season 100% because, like, people are like, when's that going to own up to her shit, blah, blah, blah. It's like, <laughs> did you not watch my interviews going in where I was like, I'm going to be a bitch? <laughs> like, I was pretty upfront about it. Like, I wasn't trying to hide anything. And I'm not going to lie. Like, yeah, season one, like two was like, Season two was obviously way more fun to play, but guys, like being a villain is actually kind of fun. Like it lets you do things you're not allowed to do normally. You get away with a lot more shit. And like, it's not like this is stuff you can do in real life. Like when else can you like be a villain? You know, it's kind of fun. It's not the worst thing ever. Right. Uh, but but so like, I mean, obviously, it's it's still going to affect you, like how how people view you. And, and uh, you know, I've talked to a lot of people now about, you know, having negative reaction on, on places like social media. Because, like, I think it's one thing if somebody goes into a show like Big Brother, they come out as the villain, they accept that. Like, that's my identity. Yeah, I'm the villain, people hate me, whatever. But you had the complete opposite experience before, or maybe at least, uh, like, a, a mostly opposite experience before, where it's like, like, you now have to, like, alter how you see yourself in many ways because the audience sees you so differently. I actually think it's the opposite. It made it easier for me because I got love the first, like, majority love the first time coming out. Because it makes you realize how flaky people are and how the fandom really works. Um, so you stop. I This season, like I said, I felt like it, my time in the house got me more mentally messed up than the first time around. But I was able to shut that down a lot faster once I came off because uh, you're more prepared for it. You're like, okay, it's not you that they're really hating on. It's not, you can't take that personally. It's like, look how much they loved you for the same stuff that they hate you for now. Like I said, that whisper game is the exact same thing as Insult Corner. And whereas it was made into a funny segment on season two, it was made into a mean segment on season five. So that's the way, like, it made me accept things a lot easier because it's like, it's television, it's entertainment. That's just what it is. Like, it's not you. That's just what that is. And it, it was pretty easy to cut stuff off. And I was able to like go home, surround myself with family, surround myself with like friends and stuff and realize that just the, the flakiness of this game and how they, how you're treated is like not something you can base your, like your insides off of or yourself. You can't like base your self-worth based off of that. Yeah. Well, um, when you say you're messed up, do you mean by like, was it anxiety or was it something else? Uh, both like anxiety and depression. It was, like, it, it was pretty bad. Like, okay, I told you after um, Williams HOH one, we heard the crowd cheers for the first time. So I was in the DR almost every single day after that, up until I got evicted for about an hour each time, just like, just crying on the floor, <laughs> just like, just full on crying. I was just like, okay, I'm just like, I'm, I've kind of lost my, my will to like play this game. Cause I'm like, I, I'm trying my hardest and people still don't like that. So it's like, what's the point? I think it's hard for people to imagine how these things affect people. And so like, um, I, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's valuable to, to open up about, you know, how, how it made you feel in the house and like what, what was going on. And, and I can, I can picture myself in your situation where it's like, you love this game and you, you're just, you're here to play. And you, you think that like, this is how you play the game. You know, you, you, you do things that are in your best interest, or at least what you think is in your best interest. And you, you try your hardest. And I, I can completely see it just like t it saps the fun away. Right. Because it's yeah. like, this is something you love and, and you came here to to play for the joy of it. And it, it completely took away that joy. Yeah. I like, 
uh, even after season two, like I, I did lose a lot of like once the curtains kind of pulled back on something you love, you're just like you lose as much interest that you had. And I think that's one of my biggest regrets about going to Big Brother. Like I'll never say Big Brother is a regret, but like it, it did ruin the show for me as a fan. Like 19, that's the first season I haven't watched since season two. Like that's crazy to me. And it's just because it was ruined for me because I even like I'll watch and you just know the way things work in there or their DRs, the way those are working. And you're like, holy shit, they're making this person seem like that. And the fans are reacting like this to it. And you just see it all happening. You're like, wow, this is so messed up. This is so messed up. And it's, it, it is a TV show. But like once you've been through it all, you see the way every every aspect of it works. You're just it's it's crazy yeah what's up curtis pulled back it's not the same and it sucks because i i really do love big brother i'll always love it but it's like it has been ruined for me for sure yeah, yeah. uh obviously uh not only did this experience uh, the second time around sort of uh have this impact on the fans but it also sort of like ruined some some real life friendships too and that must have hurt i don't think it ruined any friendships because i think the people that were friends stayed friends and the people who weren't friends it just kind of cleared stuff up about them. Like on Jordan's podcast, he made a good point where it's like, fan, like uh, there's so much in this community people just don't know. So I think it's easy for fans to base what their judgment off of what they saw on the TV show or like what certain alumni said about each other or whatever. And they just go based off that because a lot of people don't speak up about things that are happening in this world. Yeah. Um, and I think this was kind of the fans' first like insight into it. Where it's like, it's not this one big happy family. It is like high school where there's people you like, people you don't. It's like real life. We're not, we don't all love each other, but we were literally the craziest people. That's why they cast us. They chose the craziest people in Canada and cast us all. And now we expect to all get along. Like, no, that's not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, you know, obviously it's it's been, uh, how long has it been? It's been like, what? a few months now yeah. um since since big brother canada 5 ended uh how long did it take you to to sort of get back to yourself if if, if you've really even gotten there yet yeah I've, i'm i'm back to my old self thank god like i said this time it was okay like my family took me to um to mexico right after the show like i think i spent a week in toronto which was really good i caught up at pantelico brown in salt corner i spent that week with john which was Literally, like, the most perfect thing because I needed somebody who, like, understood what I went through and who really got me and got the show and stuff. And, like, as much as I love my family, they will never get that aspect of it. So I needed mm -hmm. that one week with John just to de-stress. Went home to Vancouver, spent about a week there, and then went to Mexico. And I think Mexico is, like, literally all I needed was just being drunk with my mom and my sister and just, like, being like, okay, like, you can't be worried about shit like Big Brother when you're in Mexico, you know? <laughs> and, like, real life kind of snaps into place. Um, not like I haven't been on like Twitter that, that much or anything. Like uh, I love Instagram, but like Twitter, I haven't been on that much, which helps because not seeing like that many tweets about BB19 and stuff, you don't feel like you're in that bubble. Um, so that's, it, it helped me snap out of it pretty quick. Like I think after Mexico is fine. That, that's awesome. Uh, it's, it really is a, like a world where it's like, even just like engaging on Twitter, it like it draws you into that world. And, and in many ways, you have to be able to, like, uh, you know, reacclimate yourself back yeah. to like the real world, like get get to like center yourself. And then you, you can like you can dabble your you can put your feet in the water every once in a while. Yeah. Uh, and like slowly ease yourself back in. So it's not like your whole life. 
And I totally understand like when house guests don't like they go on Twitter and they only tweet about Big Brother because you literally tweet about anything other than Big Brother. You got like one like, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. you put out the stupidest tweet about Big Brother and just hashtag BB19, you'll get like a freaking thousand likes for it. I'm like, no wonder people come on Twitter like from the house guests and they just stick to the Big Brother community because that's where you get your likes and your retweets from, I guess. Um, so I, I get why a lot of alumni like don't leave it. Yeah. And, th- and that's what Jordan talked about. Where it's like, you, you know, you enter this world and it's this like new and exciting thing and you're getting lots of attention. And uh, like, you know, I, I don't think there's anything necessarily like wrong with it, but no. it is a sort of dangerous uh, place to be in terms of it does leave you vulnerable to even if you are getting positive reception, things like, you know, getting anxiety because you are sort of like, you know, you you in many ways lim- live on the whims of commenters. And like you said, they have so much power over you and you, you really put yourself in that position when you enter this world that is controlled by the audience um and i think that's the danger of it oh yeah like i think everyone that comes almost everyone that comes off shows like addicted to their phones initially like i was addicted to my phone after season two for like so long like literally first thing i look in the morning first thing i like look at in in the middle of the night i wake up and i'm like going through my notifications like that's something that helped this time was being detached from my phone as much as it pisses everyone off that I take like a million years to respond. <laughs> it's been the best thing for me. Cause when you have your phone, there's especially in the big brother world, there's so many things to check. Like the Twitter live updates, just people fighting on Twitter, like the um, sucks, jokers, freaking Reddit, like everything. There's just so much to check on your phone about big brother and being in that world. And so many other, like just so much that goes into it. Like it's so easy to just get sucked into it and not be able to climb back out. And I see people, alumni and fans are just so stuck in this world. And I mean, if they're having a good time with it, that's great. But I do, for me, it was like a, a big cause of mine. So, you know, you're back to your old self. You, you've gotten through this. I mean, obviously very rough, uh, you know, experience. But uh, like, what are you what are you up to now? Like, what is your uh, your immediate uh, plans for the future? I feel like I spent this whole podcast just complaining. I don't want it to be like that at all. Like, that's not... <laughs> Like, there is so much amazing stuff about the Big Brother community. It's just obviously so much easier to talk about the shitty aspects of it. Well, yeah, have- and, I, and I think that's, you know, and, and like, you know, this that I asked you those questions, right? Because, like, <laughs> that's what I was interested in because I think you went through such a, a, a crazy experience and I was very interested in, in like, how someone deals with that. Um, but obviously, there's, there's a ton of positive stuff to it, too. Um, you know, there's a reason why you love Big Brother and there's a reason why yeah. I am, am talking to you, you know, in this this community and in, in, in this world. Um, but uh, if, if there's any blame to be placed, place it on me because uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm the, the idiot that thinks this is the more interesting stuff. No, I, I'm really happy about the stuff we talked about today though. Cause like I said, like since season two, I don't talk about this kind of stuff. Cause I've always been afraid of talking about it. Like it's nice to finally be able to talk about some things that I've held back for so long. And people have kind of made their own assumptions on just because I didn't talk and other people spoke for me. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad, I'm glad I got the chance, though. So thank you. You're welcome. I'm, I'm glad you, uh, you, you know, you, you found this to be a useful platform for that. You know, that's it's really like what I, I want people to get out of this. Like, I want this to be a place where people can open up about things that maybe they felt uncomfortable to before. And, and you know, so far, you know, you know, knock on wood, like my, my, uh, my, my audience. I guess that's, that's kind of weird saying that. Uh, they have been very, very kind to all my guests, and they've been very like open and willing to accept uh like just how much strength it takes to to come on here and be vulnerable and and say things that like you know either you you 
think it makes you sound like a complainer or you think it makes you sound weak or it thinks uh, like in Eric's in Eric's case like oh it makes people it makes him think like he'll sound like an asshole like an arrogant asshole uh like you know it this is the place to just like you know be open and honest and and you know, again like so far it's just been the the response has been great and I and I hope that it remains that way because uh it's something that I find very valuable both for myself and I think to to put out there no it's a super super cool concept I like it like if as a fan I love the fact that you're like you are pulling back that curtain you are just showing this is the the real person and not like the gamer because like I loved watching your Eric Stein podcast just like I met him in real life but still like I love like listening to what he's been through and everything it's so interesting like stuff I never knew so it's cool yeah so okay so so what are you up to now like yeah you you actually just recently moved back to Toronto uh you've gone back and forth a few times so what like what is uh what what are you up to yeah this is my third time moving back to Toronto the first time I did it was for school Second time was after a baby can and then this time, third time. I just actually love Toronto. Like, I love Vancouver. It's my hometown. It's always going to be my home. I love that it's got nice, clean, fresh air <laughs> that's not polluted. But Toronto is just, like, really fun. And like I said, like, Black and Saints doing amazing. So now that I have that supporting me, I want to be able to go and, like, pursue my other dreams. And I really do want to get into the fashion industry more. Um, like, styling is my dream job. So hopefully that works out. But right now, came to Toronto maybe like a couple of weeks ago, just trying to find a place to like settle in and actually like, you know, get like my own bed and stuff. That would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so third time's the charm. Hopefully moving back to Toronto. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Well, so dude, like, how do you see your, yourself uh, like moving forward now? Like you're going to um, like, like, what are you what are you hoping to accomplish? Um what do you mean <laughs> no only just like you know you, you, you... not being homeless what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> well like yeah right like like do you have a specific goal in mind like if you could see yourself uh like fast forward a bit like what what do you want to be doing my dream 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 job would be to be a um, wardrobe stylist for a fashion magazine for their editorials so like you know like when you open magazines there's like 10 pictures in the middle where it's just like really crazy shoots with like crazy outfits and stuff that's my goal to like be the one styling the models who dress for that so that's what i'm working towards um i've been talking to like agencies and stuff in toronto i've been doing freelance uh freelance work for it like building up my portfolio um so that that's the ultimate ultimate goal and a black and saint will always be there it's something that i love like putting my creative energy into and working and something that represents something that i really love so that will always be there. But yeah, dream, dream goal in the fashion industry, being a stylist. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope I hope you get there. Um, we'll you know, see, obviously, we'll I mean, you know, you you very, you know, and like as for as much as you credit Big Brother for for Black and Saint, I mean, I think there's, you know, also a reason why it's remained successful. Like uh, you obviously have a talent here. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Um, all right. So, uh, again, thank you so much for, for coming on with me. This has been so much fun. Uh, and, and I think, um, like, again, like the, your experience to me was just so crazy, like the, the yeah. whole thing. So getting to talk through it with you has been awesome. Uh, I hope that, uh, everyone else found it valuable as well. Um, so yeah, just, just thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me on. Thanks for listening to me rant. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, that's what I'm here for. Uh, all right, so also, uh, also, through Jordan, I love the name The Terran Show. Keep that, oh, don't change you. it. It's so good. <laughs> He's still making fun of it in our group I chats. Oh, Jordan's just jealous. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. Um, so if you want to subscribe to The Terran Show on iTunes, you can uh, you can look it up, subscribe, uh, leave a rating or review. It's very, very helpful. And I, I really do appreciate all of those. Uh, you can find me on robhasawebsite.com as well. Leave a comment there. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at Armstrong Taren. Uh, Netta, how can people find all of your stuff? Um, it's all the same thing, really. It's all at Netta underscore calendar and then blackandsaint.com, BLK and saint.com. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so, yes, thank you everyone for joining us. We will see you next time. Thanks, guys. Terrence asking questions.